This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 19, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. A California law prohibits many government contractors from speaking out in opposition to unionization. After filing a brief in support of the petitioners, Cato Senior Fellow in Constitutional Studies Ilya Shapiro asks, can the California legislature really trump the First Amendment? The case, Chamber of Commerce v. Brown, will be heard by the Supreme Court today. The NLRA, the National Labor Relations Act, uh, was passed by Congress as this country was becoming an industrial nation. Um, As companies were growing larger, there had to be a more standard, nationalized way of regulating industrial relations, negotiations between large employers and unions and, and so forth. Uh, one of the important things that the NLRA did was what's called occupy the field of labor regulation, which means that um, if Congress has legislated in this area, if, if there are regulations passed, a state can't go in and contradict that. Conversely, and this is what Supreme Court uh, precedent has held, conversely, if Congress has explicitly left an area unregulated, then the states can't go in and regulate that area. So really, it's it's up to Congress in this in this field of labor organization to decide what kind of regulations uh, to put in and what to leave unregulated. Most importantly for this case, Chamber of Commerce versus Brown, is that Congress said very early on with the 1947 amendments to the NLRA that protecting the freedom of speech is very important in the labor context, and therefore you cannot regulate any speech so long as there's no threat of reprisal uh, or force or a promise of benefit, a quid pro quo given to the type of speech. Basically, the policy is that the more speech, the better. We have a marketplace of ideas relating to unionization and labor uh, management relations. What's at issue in the California law? Well, in in this case, uh, as you say, it's a California statute that was passed at the behest of union lobbyists in that state that says that any employer in the state of California that receives $10,000 or more in state funds, state program funds, from speaking, from using uh, that money to speak on union-related activities, effectively based on how the statute is structured to speak against unionization. And this means that every California employer from uh, construction companies that build schools and pave roads to health care providers that get reimbursed with Medi-Cal money cannot uh, cannot speak on those issues because there's a lot of companies obviously that use that receive most if not all of their income of their profits from state program funds and this law says uh, you can't use that money uh, in, as I said in many cases that means any of your money to speak about unionization what is the uh, well what's the rationale for uh, the brief that you filed sure well first of all you have to understand how the petitioners how the Chamber of Commerce uh, along with uh, many companies and small businesses in California who are challenging this law, how they presented their case. Um, they were arguing about what's called the doctrine of preemption, meaning, as I said, that Congress legislated an area so states cannot do that because they're, uh, you know, assuming Congress is lawfully exercising its interstate commerce power, as it is undisputably in this case, um, states uh, can't go in there. So 
um, petitioners are, are using two different types of, of preemption doctrines, one from a case called Machinists in 1976 and one from Garmin in, in 1959, arguing that because Congress has done this, the state can't go in. What, what my brief, what Cato's brief is saying is that, first of all, uh, they're right. The petitioners are right because of their preemption analysis. And secondly, uh, attacking the Ninth Circuit en banc decision, meaning uh, a large number of judges in the Ninth Circuit, not just a panel. Uh, this, there was, this was a convoluted procedural case. There was ultimately three decisions from the Ninth Circuit. But the one that we care about, they even went and reached the First Amendment issue here, meaning that they said that there even wasn't a problem with First Amendment complaints, let alone the labor law, the technical labor law, uh, on which you know, my brief doesn't touch. So they kind of, they shouldn't have done that, first of all. And that, that's my first point, uh, that they should not have reached the First Amendment issue, it should be decided by the, uh, the way the petitioner said. On the First Amendment issue, however, if they reach that, uh, first of all, uh, it's an unconstitutional condition, meaning that uh, the state of California is essentially forcing these companies to choose between their constitutional rights, either to speak or to participate as a uh, lawful actor in the state contractual process. Uh, and that's just not right. It's like a, a, a robber coming up to you and saying, your money or your life. Sure, you have a choice, but it's not a real choice. It's coerced. Uh, that's what's called an unconstitutional condition. And second, um, there are certain instances in which the state is allowed to dictate what its money can be used for. That's called, If that's the case, they must have a programmatic message to their money. There must be some proprietary interest. For example, if a state or Congress, for that matter, uh, provides money to um, uh, to educate people about uh, reproduction and, and reproductive health care, uh, and they say, but none of this money can go towards talking about abortion. That is, and the Supreme Court has held that it is fine, because the program was specifically created to give the programmatic message about reproductive access and so forth, and they tailored the program to not talk about this particular aspect of the field of, of reproduction and health and, and, and so forth. Here, it's not that uh, California set up a program to educate uh, employees about their labor rights or have a, a public service message about labor organization or anything like that, unions, bad or good, nothing like that. Um, and if they had done that, then it's fine for them to say you can or can't use this money for that way. Here, the money isn't tied to anything other than fulfilling the particular contract, as I said, paving roads, providing health care, etc. And it's unconstitutional for them to uh, tie those funds in the absence of a specific programmatic message related to these union activities that they want to ban. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. You can read the brief filed in Chamber of Commerce v. Brown at our website, cato.org.